have used the monster. Monster? They're British, you know. Hello, I'm Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are a very British horror. And over to Paul to introduce tonight's film. So tonight's film, we're going way back to the 1940s to what is probably the first portmanteau anthology film. So we are going to be talking about Dead of Night. Dead of Night. Now, this is a big one. This is one of the great classics. (laughs) In fact, because I know this is one of the great classics, I made myself a list of classic British horror films, which I occasionally do. And, and, And I would say this is in the top five. I, I, yeah. I mean, that is my opinion, but it's it's also like I, I would I would say that it's fact. <laughs> it's popularly considered to be one of one of the great the great classics. Obviously, in the top ten, probably in the top five. Um, yeah. And we could we could argue about which other films are in that top top five. I suspect you could name uh, a very similar list to me. Um, because and I made my top ten actually. This is a, a segue. <laughs> I made my top ten. I think the top five write themselves, but 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 six through to ten is a, a much more contentious. Uh, that's the subject of another podcast. But anyway, I think the, I think the, the headline is this is a big film. This yes. is one of yeah. <laughs> really, and, really, and, and the shocking thing is I, I had never seen this before. Well, so that is shocking. Entirely, entirely new to me. It's shocking, but it's not unexpected because it's kind of not part, well, it's definitely not part of the classic period of British horror films. It's not part of the golden age of uh, Hollywood horror either. Uh, and it's not modern. It doesn't fit in any of the, the kind of the boxes we have for, for, for this, this genre, does it? I mean, it's kind oh, yeah. of really out on its own. <laughs> so yeah, made in 1945, made made by Ealing Studios in 1945. Yep. Now I, I think m- most people will know this, but but Ealing are basically the comedy equivalent of Hammer. So Hammer, yeah. famous British studio, famous for horror films. Ealing, equally famous British studio, famous for comedies. And this, in fact, was the only horror film they ever made. <laughs> so. And wasn't it? Am I, am I right in thinking that they they weren't famous for the comedies at this point, or were they? I've got a feeling they, they they weren't. They hadn't reached that point yet. So I, th- I think you're right. So it's certainly not as famous. I think that's kind of uh, late forties, early fifties when you get to yeah. Kind Hearts and Coronets and the Lambda Hill mod and the Man in the White Suit and all of those uh, Titsfield Thunderbolt and Whiskey Galore. Whiskey Galore might have happened, but I'm not an expert on those. But that's a subject for a whole other <laughs> podcast. I really like Kind Hearts and Coronets, but I'm not. I don't. Uh, I, I haven't watched a lot of the, the, the evening comedies. It's a completely separate thing. But no. but I was going to say right. This is you know. Ealing making their big contribution to horror. And of course, Hammer made a really big contribution to comedy, didn't they? With their on the buses. Oh, hang on, move on, move on, just move on. (laughs) (laughs) I'll withdraw that point. Anyway. um, (laughs) um, and, and, And as you rightly said, it's the first portmanteau horror films, like a collection of horrors 
story, stories with a linking story. Not not the first ever such thing, but the first significant such, yeah. such, such thing. Um, so so apparently there are examples of sort of the same idea from earlier, but <laughs> but <laughs> this is the this is the one that um, was directly copied by. Sorry, uh, took some inspiration. Uh, Doctor, the, the Amicus ones are yeah. all kind of related to this, and not well, the, the Amicus problems wouldn't really exist if it wasn't for this, would they? No, absolutely not. They absolutely wouldn't. And of course, there was also that BBC anthology show, Dead of Night, which hilariously was not licensed. <laughs> so um, <laughs> Michael Balkan apparently not very impressed that the BBC did that. Michael Balkan <laughs> being the head of eating, <laughs> but yeah. But but the, yeah, and um, and it's a genre that that persists to to this day. I mean, well, I say to this day, ghost stories is in the same genre, and that's just a few yeah. years old. And, and it's been used on TV a, a couple, like well many times. But um, League of Gentlemen did it, and then it, Psychoville did did it, following on from that. So it's it's happened. Crooked House, uh, yeah. The, the the Mark Gatiss uh, collection of ghost stories was conceived, I think, as a, a portmanteau uh, like TV movie, but yeah. sp- split by I think BBC Three when they showed it. So we think of it as like a three part series, but actually I think everywhere else in the world it's just a movie. Well, on Am- Amazon Prime, it's it's a movie, which stumped me a little bit because I wasn't sure it was the same thing. But yeah, yeah, no. Exactly. So lots of them, and and this this is this is the the parent. But there are some things that are different with this to the films that came after it. And I think the really major one, the one that really jumps out at you, is that this is directed by four different directors. Yeah. Um. So Amicus never did that. They, I mean, it was usually Freddie Francis, wasn't it? I think Roy Ward Baker <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> but it was always the same the same director. For, for all of the segments and and you know because what, what what attracted amicus to this format was that they could have big names and not pay them very much and they'd be in one segment <laughs> not full film <laughs> so so, so it, it, it wasn't that it, it wasn't that the, the anthology format wasn't because they wanted lots of different types of stories all bunged together it was because <laughs> it's because it's like economically it really makes really good sense yeah. <laughs> and and you know those films are great and we've covered many of them but it's um, it's a bit different because here th- there's no obvious um c- kind of signs of that i don't i don't think that no there, there i mean there, it's, it's an ensemble cast uh there's no like big name ca- carrying it um it, it, well in fact one but it's um, so. So what? What I understand, like we both watched today, we both watched as like a seventy-five minute film, remembering Dead of Night, which um, was a an extra on the Blu-ray, but but Studio Canal have just put on YouTube, so you can you can watch it perfectly legally, all above board, and and, and it's really interesting. Goes into quite a lot of depth um, with some Talking Heads reviewing it, and one of the things they said was that the, the marketing at the time. Uh, was based around some of it was based around the involvement of H.G. Wells. Yes. <laughs> what one of the stories is based on an H.G. Wells short story, but I mean, like, like that documentary is great, and like they're saying it, it, it's actually nothing to do with H.G. <laughs> Wells. 
yeah. <laughs> so but that that was the big name um and part apart apart from that it's it's more like the concept that sells it which i really yeah, liked yeah and and I, I should i should list those directors um since since i mentioned them since i mentioned them but what i thought was quite good yeah. about this is it, having the four directors it, it seems to work um you don't you wouldn't really know if there were four directors i think so, i don't think there's anything that it's it's quite consistent in its style and well well it is and which is one of the advantages of having one director actually you get that yeah. so so the four directors are basil dearden robert okay. hamer yeah charles crichton and calvacanti or cavacanti um, yeah. so um yeah basil dearden directed the, the the linking sequence and um one of the other sequences <laughs> uh, uh and and yeah actually I, I haven't got it in front of me who directed which sequences i probably should should have uh should have lined that up better but um but the interesting thing is they're all ealing directors yeah and, and yeah. many many of them went uh, <laughs> went on to direct very famous comedy films. So, um, for example, Charles Crichton. <laughs> so if you just, I mean, Charles Crichton directed A Fish Called Wanda. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so e- Ealing-wise, um, so, so look, Lavender Hill Mob and The Tipfield Thunderbolt, they were him. Um, then you've got Basil Dearden, who directed this is great. Um, the Blue Lamp. <laughs> the, 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 that's the um, Dixon and Dot Green movie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and the League of Gentlemen. The other, not the other League of Gentlemen, the original one. <laughs> Yes. So, uh, and so that must mean Robert Hamer, I think, is the guy that directed Kind Hearts and Coronets. Yeah, he directed Kind Hearts and Coronets. And, and uh, Cavalcanti had directed a war film. Um, went, right. uh, what was it? He had an interesting career, actually. Went the Day Well, he directed. Yeah. And he went on to make Nicholas Nickleby, apparently. Um, okay. Yes. Yes. Um, Probably should just go back now, but that, that so that's interesting. You'd think that's actually quite an eclectic um, selection, wouldn't you? But but like you say, it, it doesn't come across like that, which is because I've seen other movies where they've tried to have multiple di- directors. There was a, th- a thing called Aria, which was right. uh, like an a, a adaptation of. Well, like short films set to arias basically but okay. but but of course that was that was absolutely that, and that's what it was it was a collection of short films i, I watched it because one of them was a ken russell short film okay <laughs> it was good actually <laughs> but 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 it was like it was completely disjointed and, and not a single film at all it was yeah um, um but but this is so cleverly done um so the hearse driver was the other one, the other sequence directed by Basil Dearden. Okay, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and, and Cavalcanti did two. He did the Christmas Party and the Ventriloquist Dummy, which is the most famous of the stories yeah. we will come to. Um, Charles Crichton did the Golfer's Story. That's the comedy one. Yeah, H.G. Wells' original idea. And Robert Hamer did The Haunted Mirror. Um, ah. Yeah. So, should we just go a bit into the linking story? Because the linking story is much more sophisticated than later uh, uh, yeah. films I, would do. <laughs> I would argue as well that actually, whereas the the linking story in the Amicus films tend to just be like it's like we've got these stories how can we loosely um thread them together this the linking bit of this is i would say is is sort of like the main thread of the story absolutely it really and, is and that the, the other the other stories um, which are all of varying lengths and um complexity and, and that are, are, for, are, are just kind of they they just complement that that main story, which is quite, which I think is quite different. Absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. And so the linking story starts with this guy, um, yeah, Walter Craig. He's played by Mervyn Johns, who's like a, a familiar face, but not um, not not really famous one, I don't think. Um, but it, it, so he's like this middle aged guy that that. T- turns up in this pleasant house with loads of people there and he has like a, this feeling feeling of deja vu doesn't he he's like I've yeah. been, this is my dream and i know exactly what's going to happen because i've dreamt this uh, and um the, the other people there i mean there's, there's, a, there's a it's like a house party there's seven or eight yeah. different people there i mean it's they're, not really explained exactly why they're there i mean so oh, walter craig is an architect and he's been called in to look at designing yep. a couple of extra bedrooms or something yeah but that isn't explained at the start so so no. you, that it's at the start it, it's yeah it's it, is, it is explained at the start is it yeah he explains it on the way so he goes to meet is it um the character's elliot foley who's the guy whose house it is and on on the way in from the walk from the car into oh. the house he explains that oh okay Okay, fair enough. So, so I didn't pick up on that. I didn't realize. I didn't know why he was there until the end of the film no. when, when when he explains what he's doing. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, that's why. That's good. It's good that two of us watched it, isn't it? Um, yeah. But um, but but what? Why everyone else is there? Because he's been invited over for the weekend, which is a weird. Yeah presumably 1945 thing that you do to get a, like like when, when i get a quote in i don't invite the person over for the weekend but anyway maybe i should well, maybe that's why the prop that's maybe that's why i'm having trouble <laughs> well we were we were talking to to uh, an architect uh about getting a possible extension to our house uh, and and he came over for for half an hour in the middle of the week so yeah none of this staying over stuff did he say that this has all happened before and I've spoken to you before and, <laughs> and you're going to break your... <laughs> it's funny you should say that, um, but no, he didn't. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, yeah. Um, so, and what you've got this, this, this um, German uh, psychiatrist, psychologist yeah. who, who's there. He's <laughs> no, a psychiatrist. And, uh, and of course, because he's a psychiatrist, he obviously has to be German. Yeah. Um, 
and played played by a German actor though. In fairness, it's not someone doing it, yeah. uh, not someone doing an, an, an accent, but an actor called Frederick Falk, um, who who was a, a German Jew. Um, yeah. so, so so and play, playing Doctor Van Stratton, and all I could think, even though he is actually German and presumably that's his own accent, all yeah. I could think of was Edward Van Sloan in the Belagosi Dracula. <laughs> so I was just like, no, please stop this. But, um, I, I think it was just he was, he was unconvincing as uh, a man of science. Because he, he, the whole point is he challenges it. He says, oh, it's just, you know... Um, you're, you're, you're perfect, there's a perfectly rational explanation, although there obviously isn't one because it's that right. kind of film. And and and, and um, yeah, he just reminded me of uh, Edward Van Sloan and and the, and being a scientist in the film where you know the, the, there's nothing rational about anything that happens. <laughs> so, so you're on onto a massive loser. Yeah. <laughs> um, and basically the first. The way we, we go into the first story, which is Hearst Driver, is by uh, one of the other guests. Um, yes, who's, who's Hugh Granger, yeah. um, played by someone called Anthony Baird. Um, it's just like, well, you say that, that nothing funny mm-hmm. ever happens, but a funny thing once happened to me, and then yeah. fade out, fade, fade in. And um, so, and this, the Hearst Driver, is based on. Uh, story by E.F. Benson so that's it actually there's five stories two of them are based on short stories by reputable um, writers so um, H.G. Wells the Gulf one and this one um, the the bus conductor by E.F. Benson but um, yeah and I went back to that that's that story and uh, it's interesting because the setup's different in, in it yeah um so 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 in in the movie uh, Granger's a racing driver who's injured yeah. in a crash and he you know, when he's recovering in hospital um at night he suddenly looks out the window and it's daytime and there's a hearse driver and the hearse driver yeah. says uh room for one more room for yeah. one more in the back i think he says inside he? room for room more for inside one more inside yeah um uh, yeah <laughs> uh, obviously pointing at the, the the coffin and, and Granger gets scared, um, but thinks no more of it. And the the um, the, the hearse driver is played by uh, a legend, uh, <laughs> Miles Mallison, who yep. is um, well, he, he was a, a, a comic actor of the time, so at home with Ealing, uh, apparently in many Ealing films, but yep. but later used by Hammer several times. As a comic character, <laughs> as a, yeah, it's like the comic relief. So, yeah, so it's, yeah, comedy, comedy vicar or something. Yeah, this is the comedy yeah. vicar in *Hand of the Baskervilles*. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's in, he's in, he's in *Dracula*, isn't he? He is, yeah, yeah. So, so, but it's, so, it's, um, it's great, 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 great to see him here. Um, and then it's quite, it's quite short actually. There's some weird stuff, um, with Granger, uh, you know, what what you might describe as seducing, uh, but sexual harassment. Yeah, I think we would now describe as harassing the nurse. (laughs) (laughs) But she, 
But then, then am I right in thinking that she then becomes his wife? So yes, she does. So it's she, all okay. She she turns up at the the, the house party. Um, she turns up at the house party later uh, in in the framing sequence as Mrs. Granger. So yeah, yeah, there's there's, there's, there's yeah, and there's a there's a that's that's sort of significant. So we'll get onto that in a minute. <laughs> but but um, I'm I'm afraid yeah the um the, the it's quite. The attitude towards women in this film is, is quite yeah. old-fashioned, <laughs> more, uh, more gets... notably old-fashioned than than in the Hammer period. <laughs> but, yeah, okay. and, and and it gets worse than this in a later segment, I think. But... Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Um, but then, just proceeds. Uh, Granger recovers, uh, and and then one day he goes to get a bus, and the conductor is Miles Mallison, who says the line again. Yeah. One more inside, sir. Uh, and Granger's so horrified, he doesn't go in. And then, of course, the bus turns then, out to crash. And he's then, basically... Then, uh, yeah. Then the toy bus turns out to crash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so um, and that is basically the conceit of the short story. So, so the... Now- the room yeah. more inside, and, and and it means he, do, yeah, the bus. He's, and, had, he's had a premonition of his future death, and is able to kind of avoid it, albeit yeah. by accident. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, this. I, I quite quite enjoyed this. It it, it is really brief, but it, it has some fantastic moments in it. Um, so there's a bit in the the hospital ward when he's uh, it, it, it's sort of nighttime. And suddenly everything goes really quiet, and you're really aware that there there is no sound at all in this bit. And and that sequence where he walks up to the curtain, and the way that that's shot and 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 lit, and and all the sort of shadows, I actually found that quite creepy. Well, this is the advantage of black and white photography. I mean, yeah. I agree, agree with you. It's it's very very effectively done so yeah it, it is creepy and then um with, with miles mallison you've got a comic yeah. edge, edge to it but it, he's a hearse driver you know it's in, yeah. intrinsically a little bit macabre i did, I did find that quite funny but yeah but obviously when he opens the curtains it, it's daylight and and in the documentary that's the bit that um famous director john landis said was the the creepiest bit of that i'm not yeah. sure i agree i think the walking up to the curtains is 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 creepier and and, and the dead silence yeah but like you say this is this is quite short and and the benson story is short it's like 11 pages yeah. long um so the, the interesting thing, though, and the documentary also alludes to this, so sadly I can't claim it as my brilliant insight, <laughs> that, that the, the framing story with, with the, um, the, the talk of the reoccurring dream, uh, that, that um, is not exactly the same as, but definitely inspired by uh, another Benson story, The Room in the Tower, and The Room in the yeah. Tower is an amazing ghost story. It's really excellent. Uh, and I think personally, it, it would make a wonderful ghost story for Christmas. They don't, they don't have to keep mining the M.R. James back catalogue forever. They could do the room in the tower, you know. It, yeah. It, it, but, I mean, it, yeah. 
Are you listening, Mark Gatiss? Because obviously you do listen to this podcast. And I know he's very familiar with the works of E.F. Benson because yeah. um, I've got I've got the audio book of uh, E.F. Benson's Selected Ghost Stories narrated by Mark Gatiss. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's very familiar with, with it. I mean, um, I, I would I would love him to do the, the Room in the Tower. I don't I don't, I don't really think. Uh, the bus conductor needs readapting, but the room in the tower, awesome. Yeah, but, yeah. but but and that but that um that really creepy idea, I think, um, also inf- informs the uh, the the link the linking story. So, uh, and this is the only this is really uh, until obviously Mark Gatiss takes our advice. This is the the only f- film version or even the TV version of uh, uh, Benson. I mean, there's there's literally nothing else. Uh, there's there's some um, there's was one adaptation of uh, uh, another of his ghost stories, like a vampire story, actually, um, made in a very low budget in America in the seventies, which is on YouTube but unwatchable, and because of the low quality of the, yeah. the, the video. But um, and, and then E.F. Benson was also famous for something called Map and Lucia. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that that that's probably the thing that has been adapted of his. Yes, yeah, like a whole series of books he did later in life. I mean, because he 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 was massively productive, all sorts of genres. Um, all like like he wrote a book about golf and a book about cricket and all sorts of things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then we're back to the linking story. Um, he he where. The main character's name completely forgotten. <laughs> Walter Craig. That's it, Walter Craig. So he he um, says that uh, there's a woman that's going to arrive soon, a brunette who is, has no money. Uh, and at this point, and he said this earlier, but at this point, I think is when I'm struggling with all the names, but I'll get them in a minute. With with um, Hugh Granger's wife yeah. arrives, um, and. She's arrived by taxi and hasn't got money for the fare. Yeah. So she's got no money on her. So this just gives extra weight to the um idea that that this this has happened before and that he 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 sort of knows what's happening. Um yeah. and then and then we're sort of introduced to the character of Sally, who's the young girl. Um and that's what the next story is going to be, her her sort of story. Um, where she also says that something odd happened to her, and then it cuts to the Christmas party story. Okay, uh, so it does, and therefore we can claim it's called the Christmas party. Therefore, we can claim Dead of Night as a Christmas film, <laughs> like like Tales from the Crypt, and therefore you don't have to watch Die Hard every Christmas Eve. You can watch this, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but this is another of the the, the sh- short and and um, to the point stories. This is a, this is only a few minutes long, isn't it? And yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it's basically a game of hide and seek in an old country house. Yeah, that's a game of sardines, which is odd um, because it wasn't that long ago. I rewatched that Inside Number Nine episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no doubt partly inspired for, by this yeah. very film. Um, 
and we know I mean, Rhys Shearsmith was on the documentary that we watched, so, <laughs> so we, we we can say that we can say that was <laughs> some confidence. But yeah, all right, yeah, so, sardines, which is some posh equivalent of or variation. Well, it's a form of hide and seek. But yeah, if you found the person, you, you joined them in their hiding place rather than yeah, and yeah, and presumably it ends up with only one person wandering around trying to find everybody else. Which would be pretty pretty know. easy if yeah pretty easy if they haven't picked like a barn yeah. to hide in. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, yeah, and and basically Sally goes off to hide, um, and everyone else has to look for her. I think that's the rule, which is a bit yeah. A bit weird. Yeah, she goes off to hide first, and then everyone else has to go and find her. And, and there's and, about and, like thirty kids or something at this party. It, you would think it wouldn't take them very long, but it is a big yeah. house. Um, yeah. But but I think the the boy's name is Jimmy, isn't it? And and, and yeah. again with the harassment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he, he wants to play sardines with Sally, doesn't he? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. Um, but but anyway, he intimates that the house has got a bit of a horrible history and and stuff, does doesn't he? And yeah. and then. Um, she basically shakes him off and, and then she goes into a dude like he does a, what i don't think that happens <laughs> oh shakes him off okay sorry. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and she finds herself in some nursery where she finds some kid she didn't know was there yeah. it's quite a young kid whose name it's is francis, sickly kid whose name is francis francis kid. Francis Kent and um, she basically he says about his sister not being very nice and he basically she basically sings him a lullaby or something to get him off to sleep yeah and then she goes back down and says oh I, I saw Francis Kent and, and they go what Francis Kent the boy who was murdered by his sister yeah. and and that, that that's that's and then, then she's obviously like she obviously will get scared by it and and then that's that's the end of the, the story it's really as simple as that but yeah. the ridiculous thing I didn't pick up on um, that Kim Newman informed us in this documentary, which I really recommend, which we'll link to <laughs> on <laughs> our pro- social media. <laughs> properly name dropping as well in this, this episode. Yeah, Kim Newman, Rishis, yeah, yeah, John Landis. But, uh-huh. but Kim, Kim Newman um, said, this is like Francis Kent is a real murder victim. This is a real yeah. murder. This is, um, in fact... The Suspicions of Mr. Witcher, which was a book. I read the book um, and I thought it was really sad. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and, I, I, and I couldn't, because it was about a child murder in Victorian times, and, and I couldn't watch the TV show because <laughs> I didn't want to feel sad again, <laughs> basically. But, but it was a real, yeah. I, um, for some reason, they used the, 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 like a real murder <laughs> for yeah. this. Co- Constance Kent. Constance Kent, yeah, absolutely. Teenage murderess. Exactly. And, and you know, um, I understand that, that about the seditious, seditiousness and, and stuff, but, but I mean, yeah, Francis Kent was only three and it was uh, hor- horrible. And this is that's a different kind of horror. That's true crime horror, which I wasn't expecting. No, in this film, <laughs> but but then you've got all kind, all different kinds, haven't you? They do really stir a lot of ingredients into the pot. I wonder if that was more well, if that was sort of better known in the, in the mid forties. So, as a story, well, I mean that's a great question. Uh, it was obviously much more recent at that point. 
Yeah. Uh, and it, obviously it was a notorious case, which is why the, the, the book was written about it. And it did kind of, um, <laughs> it, it, it challenged the whole purpose of the book um, um, was it, it challenged, it was the event that challenged the notion that an Englishman's home was his castle. <laughs> right. it, it was like no you can't really do that you've got to make sure people are okay in families <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah yeah so so it was quite a big like socially so what, socially important case but um i i wonder whether it was actually more obscure in the 40s than it became l- l- later because otherwise it's just in such bad taste isn't it yeah, I mean, I can I can think of some examples of things you could do with more contemporary murder cases, and I'm not even going to say them because it's it's just such <laughs> bad taste. You just, so, so uh, yeah, it, it yeah. strikes me as a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was that was weird, and then we're back to the linking sequence again, the framing yeah. story. So we we have we have Sally's mother appear to take her home. Um, and she's she's basically a bit of a comic comic relief character. Oh yeah, but then there's something who's, that's who's really not. No, no, it's really not funny though. Because um, does doesn't um, Walter Craig say something like, "Oh, but I'm gonna." Oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna um, violently beat you later or something. And, yeah, and, he gets uh, a vision of that. So there's this comedy bit with the mother who who is quite funny. And she, she goes, and "Oh, it, can't can't you do that to someone else? She's yeah. busy." <laughs> But but again, it's just like uh, you, you you know. I think social attitudes have changed a bit since then. Now you yeah. violence against women is just not funny. It's just not. Yeah. It's just like. Uh, but but for, for his credit, uh, Mervyn Johns plays it dead dead kind of serious, and uh, and his performance is, is excellent as this sort of befuddled guy. Well. It is, and the and then making light of it, Sally and her mother, as opposed to getting really upset about it, is one way of dealing with that kind of awkward social situation, isn't it? But but it just does not sit right. It's just yeah. So there, but, there's 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 a couple of moments in this film where something quite horrible is mixed in with daft comedy. Um. Yes. And and yeah, and I think I think it's sort of a it sort of makes the, the horrible bit more horrible, if that makes sense. Yes, it, it really does. And yeah. It's not a technique that horror uses a lot, actually, um, be, be, because the, the idea is that, you know, that comedy is puncturing the tension and you should just keep ratcheting it up, shouldn't you? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... but, but I, 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 it's counterpointing though, like like, like having 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 things to 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 to, to counterpoint the, the the horror to extenuate it, accentuate it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. That that's that's the technique here, and yeah, you see it all the way through the film. Actually, you're right in different guises. So so no, I, I think. Well, we just had had one with the the with the real life murder case being thrown into a, a bit of a throwaway sort of fun little ghost story yes yeah yeah no it's it's quite strange and the approach the approach does continue because then you've got googie withers 
who's one of the yeah. house guests again. That's a great name. I I, I love her, her her name. She was a big star. Um, uh, she she was she was a, a big a big star. I think um, the thing I really know her for is there's a Monty Python song, which is a parody of one of her songs. But I think that's right. Okay. <laughs> I think, think which one's that? I again. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to click through to give you with this. So I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I'm sure that's right. Uh, Keep mm-hmm. with this uh, lengthy career, theatre, film, television, one an actress and star. I might be thinking of someone else entirely. In which case, okay. that, that would be quite bad, wouldn't it? It, it? it would be quite bad. I mean, but <laughs> I think what what this shows, by the way, is that that these all these actors. There's a lot of actors we're not familiar with in in this film. So um, that there's, there's there's a lot of um, all sort of knowing it, and then and and then having to go go back and look it up to make sure that <laughs> whether what you're saying is actually right, and, and 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 trying to remember people's names and things, which is you know when it's Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee and Vincent Price, it's not so yeah. difficult. No, um, I might actually be thinking of someone completely different. Let's, let's move <laughs> on. From I mean, looking through a filmography, it's low. I mean, loads, loads of. Um, Films that you wouldn't have ever seen, apart from the Lady Vanishes, by the way, she's yeah, in. So, yeah. so there's, there's actually, I think that that means there's four different members of the cast from the Lady Vanishes, the the great Hitchcock film, the Lady Vanishes. Um, okay, well the, then this kind of leads into the the next story, um, which is one of the ones that isn't based on any other story, any famous short stories. Um, Gracie Fields, that's what I'm getting confused with. Okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, carry on, carry on, sorry. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, and then so we go to the next story. So, um, yeah, Go- Googie Withers' character has a, a strange story about um, uh, a gift she bought for her husband. Uh so we're going to the third story now, which is where where she buys her husband this mirror as a present. Um, again, a little bit of sexismy sort of creeping in there, but actually, she's this is quite different, and she's quite a strong, a sort of a strong character in in this story. And he's the weak one, yeah. And he's she... quite weak and a bit feeble. Um, but yes, yeah, so they've got this. Uh, he he has this mirror and he he really likes it and they put it up and he every time he looks in the mirror he sees a completely different room yeah in the mirror but, but he's, 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 old, he's in the reflection he's, he's in the he's in the room and it's but it's a very old victorian style room with a big four poster bed uh, and and various other a roaring fire. Yeah, completely different from their kind of more contemporary room that he's actually in. Uh, and this kind of bothers him. Um, really disturbs at, him, like sleepless nights. And um, yeah, well, and at first he can make it go away, and then he then then it, he can't do that anymore, and it's just there all the time, and it just gets to him more and more. Um, and and his his wife, um, Googie Withers, never going to get tired of saying that name. Joan Cortland, like, is the character. Yeah, so it's he's the character. called Peter. She's called Joan. Yeah, yeah. 
but she she can't see it so she just sees the, the, the reflection of the room um anyway he goes away for the she goes away for the weekend um and he gradually gets a bit more unhinged by all of this um she goes to the 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 shop where she bought the mirror from and the rather excellently creepy shop owner who i don't think is meant to be creepy but <laughs> somehow plays it like that um goes on to explain that oh um because she sees there's a bed there and asks about the bed and he he says oh well it's from the same place you uh, the mirror you bought came from um Oh, nasty story attached to that. It was um, a, a, a man who uh, he he killed killed his wife, strangled his wife, and then slit his own throat. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Uh, something like that. Je- in a fit of jealousy, a fit of jealousy thinking, yeah. Uh, and so then she sort of goes, hurries back home, and by this point, he's very he's kind of been very deranged by this. Uh, by the whole mirror thing, uh, uh, and he he thinks that she's been off seeing some other bloke, um, and he 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 attempts to strangle her. And at that point, she sees in the mirror and sees the her and him in the room, in that mirror, and knows at that point it's real, and smashes the mirror, um, and that uh, breaks the spell. And she completely is over her husband's attempts or really serious domestic violence again. Again, yeah. this is just. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, so 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 absolutely. It's okay, he was he was possessed by the spirit of a murdering Victorian man, so it's okay. That gets you off. Uh, I'm just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But but the interesting thing is that she's wearing in the framing story she's wearing black and he's nowhere to be seen. But yeah, but, so I wonder That's whether not, it's not it's never mentioned. But I wonder it's whether not he's, explained is it? He yeah. subsequently died. Um, but you, you know, or maybe she has divorced him. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. So, but again, this 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 is another really nicely filmed and, and simply filmed. Um, story i mean i was watching it and thinking that the stuff that was going in on in the mirror would start to get more complicated and he would see things in the mirror but actually that doesn't happen and in some ways i was slightly disappointed but in other ways i thought that actually was a lot better because it it comes down to the the actor's performance then and that that performance he he, and he does really well of making making um, this whole situation get to him and, and really start to affect him, and and it would be quite weird to to see an entirely different room in a mirror. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think this is a really effective story. It's a bit more substantial than the ones we've had. Yeah, up to up to this it's, point, it's slightly it's longer, bit, isn't it? It is a bit longer. It's a bit creepier. The 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 the, the psychological um, depictions of of, of both the main characters a bit more rounded, a bit more interesting. So, so yes, this this is a strong story. And in contrast to some of the other bits, this has some quite kind of melodramatic music, which ramps up the tension, I think, as well. Well, 
it's really important to do that when 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 your shot is basically some guy staring himself <laughs> in the mirror and getting excited yeah. about yeah. it. <laughs> you, you, you need you need to you know you, you need to go to town on that a bit, don't you? <laughs> Otherwise, it looks like it's like a like a a pause in him shaving or something. It's like, yeah, you've, yeah, got, yeah. like you've got to really you've got to really sell it, and and it really really does get sold. This is this is the Robert Hamer sequence, which um you know and I think he had ended. Tragically, I think he had a long battle with alcoholism, but um, oh, okay. but, but but before that, he did Kind Hearts and Coronets, which I mentioned before, which is astonishingly good. I thought, um, you know, and like I said, I'm not particularly an evening comedy person, but but I did enjoy. That's the one with Alec Guinness in multiple roles, and Dennis Price yeah. has to basically yeah. murder all of them to inherit. <laughs> it's yeah, quite, yeah, yeah. this is quite it's quite black comedy actually. It's quite <laughs> yeah. yeah no, uh, yeah, so uh, I think this is the best one so far. And then, then, um, interesting enough, they apparently the, the the they only had one go at filming the smashing of the mirror <laughs> because they couldn't afford to to get another mirror because obviously it's quite an ornate thing. Um, so so they only had the one go at it, and and so they did quite well, given that that was the only chance they had to smash it up. I mean. You hear this when you like blowing up a building or something in Hollywood, but no, I mean, because <laughs> she only smashes the pane of glass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it but probably... presumably she had to do that in, in real time. Well, um, but but also yeah. I, I thought they used like like stage glass because it would be quite. It's actually quite dangerous, isn't it, to smash? Real uh, glass? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But they, but I know that they could only do it once because they can afford to to. <laughs> redo it uh, because, uh, because yeah because she gets a big candlestick or something doesn't she but yeah, if she yeah. was doing that with like just a real mirror then, then no, no, that, was, <laughs> that, that was dangerous <laughs> yeah okay it should be like sugar glass That's mind you he, he, he cuts he cuts his head so maybe maybe that wasn't meant to happen maybe he did actually <laughs> cut his head yeah. anyway mo- moving on mo- moving on back to the framing story and this is where the um the owner of the house, uh, Foley, uh, yeah. says, "Oh, yeah, well, I've got a funny story, and it is actually just a funny story, not uh, <laughs> yeah. not really." <laughs> and this is the golfer's story, and yeah. um, we can already. I mean, you can tell uh, immediately that this is supposed to be the like the comedy <laughs> one. Um, yeah. Right. First start. The main characters are um, Basil Radford and Norton Wayne, and those names mean absolutely nothing now but no. um also to to most people but but they um they were charters and caldicott who were supporting characters in the lady vanishes um, right but who were so popular in it that that, that they that they played those characters in uh several other films and then when they fell out with um uh with I think it's Launder and Gilead when they fell out with the basically the 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 the, the copyright o- owners for those characters. They just played similar ones in other <laughs> films. So that's, that's why that's why here the, they're 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 Parrot and Potter <laughs> rather, yeah. but but they're clearly they're they're they're, they're a big cinematic uh, dub, double act. Um, and the, the, I don't know if you've ever watched. The Hitchcock, the Lady Vanishes, but no. it's, it's absolutely glorious. Um, 
really really fantastic and it's the it's the british film that got hitchcock's hollywood break essentially um, yeah and, and these characters are really f- funny in it they're cricket obsessed uh charters and carruthers golf, golf obsessed oh no yeah. oh you mean okay, yeah go on. yeah yeah um and, and um just before we leave lady vanishes i just want to say that the the, ca- the, the, the characters were um brought back because hammer Hammer's very last film for a long time, the, the classic Hammer's very last film, yeah. was a remake of The Lady Vanishes. And yep. they got Arthur Lowe and Ian Carmichael to play uh, Charles okay. and Carruthers. So, so, yeah, Hammer used these characters. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and it's weird if you look into it. Like the BBC used them in a 1980s um like um, a murder mystery series. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, but, but yeah, and literally all just span out of these supporting characters in this old Hitchcock <laughs> film. Um, but, but anyway, here, so bringing it back to Dead of Night, here, um, the parent and Potter are two golfers who are both brilliant golfers um, who are obsessed with golf until they both meet the, uh, fall in love with the same woman, Mary. Yeah. Um, and, um, <laughs> I mean, she, she may as well be like a, I don't know, a sex robot or something for all <laughs> the way she's sort of just viewed in this. Um, I think you're right. apparently she, she's, she, they, they both fancy her and they're in love with her. And, and she just seems, I mean, they talk about her while she's there in between them as if she's not there. She allegedly and, can't choose between them. And yeah. then they say, uh, and, and, let, and let's play just... a game of golf to see which one of us you marry. And she goes, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah and she that. goes, yeah, that's a good idea. Because, you know, she's just quite happy with either of them. And it's yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, they, they, they play, play a, a round of golf. And um, it ends with, which one, which one is, is Parrot, isn't it? He, he's the one that, that wins. Um, it is parrot, yes, Basil reference. Uh, by cheating. In, by um, cheating. But <laughs> we don't really know that yet. Well, then, I mean it's fairly obvious because he because he says yeah. he because he, he basically claims that, that he's got onto the green on two. And yeah. uh, and then Potter's like, well that's basically impossible. How have you done that? And then he goes, Oh the caddy, oh yeah, I definitely did that. <laughs> and yeah. then um yeah. And and, and so um parrot wins and Potter uh, immediately commits suicide. Yeah, and, and that's that's really that's really weird. And it's another one of these weird uh, moments where where the, it clashes a bit because he, he just walks into the lake and drowns himself. And 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 the the shot is odd in that it, it lingers a bit too long for it to be a funny moment. And yeah. and it's a bit like, oh, that's a bit horrible. And yeah, he's. And he'd, I started thinking about because up until then you don't realise there's no emotion to show that they would be absolutely devastated to the point that they would commit suicide. Um, it's all just a bit of a jolly jape, and and so it is really jarring. And and I started thinking, God, that's a really horrible way to go as well, because you'd have to force yourself to stay underwater. I don't know. It's just it's 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 not very nice but then that's that's uh, yep. sort of immediately forgotten 
Yeah. When... Pa- 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 marries Mary. Yeah. Uh, th- th- then um, when he's playing golf with Foley, the, the, the narrator, um, the ghost of uh, Potter comes and starts essentially interfering with his game because Potter, now that he's died, knows the truth. Um, because yeah. he because um, <laughs> he knows that actually he he won the, the on that last hole because they keep the scores in heaven and there yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he just looked at the heavenly scorebook and saw that he won <laughs> right um, and um, also he says that he can't be uh, he's doing the haunting and he can't be more than six feet away from um, yeah parrot any time and um, and there's a scene. Um, when, when they're, in, they're in the golf clubhouse, um, yeah. and no one else can 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 see the ghost apart apart from yeah, parrot. And there's that scene, and apparently, and this is you know one of those uh, Wikipedia facts, but um, it, the barman is Peter Jones, and okay, and I, and I saw the that there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, was, okay. I, I saw that there, thinking oh, I know that name. I just clicked to make sure it was the, the same one. It's, it's the it's, it's the voice of the book. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uncredited apparently, but it's him. Anyway, anyway, we go to um, basically. Oh, uh, so he, he he hadn't married. He got engaged to Mary, but he actually yeah, so married, the, marries yeah. her, and it's the wedding night, and and. and um, he, he basically there's some weird hand gestures that that um that, that Potter's forgotten. Uh, yeah. So Potter can't go. He can't leave he him. Can't, he can't give him no, any exactly. privacy on his wedding night. Um, but because he can't uh, remember how it goes. But then um, pa- Parrot accidentally gets it right and vanishes. And Potter <laughs> decides that he's going to enjoy the wedding night with Mary instead. Yeah. <laughs> that's the end Which... of the story. <laughs> How does and, that and they, work? And they go back to they go back to the um, <laughs> they go back to the house, and everyone laughs about how inappropriate that ending was and how stupid it was, the story was. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you sort of get the impression that that Foley's just bullshitting this. Yeah, exactly. Really? Because because he just wants to to join in because that makes absolutely no sense that 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 she would be absolutely happy with with someone who's a ghost. Um, well, maybe, uh, but maybe, uh, maybe, maybe when, maybe when the parrot disappears, uh, Potter's reincarnated. Maybe <laughs> um, <laughs> he just yeah. takes his place, whatever. But even so, yeah. that's 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 no better because she's just going, oh well. Well, that other bloke's gone. This bloke will do. Well, that's what she did in the first place. Well, no, but, <laughs> but... <laughs> it's an either-or scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's tremendously uh, misogynistic, isn't it? I mean, she's not yeah. a character. She's just she's, yeah. <laughs> she's com- completely ambivalent about whatever but, happens. Uh, and ha- they, don't, they don't seem like they're catches either of them in any way. No, but having said that, it, it, it's it's quite a fun segment in a lot of ways. So it's very controversial because some people just don't like it, and yeah. some people think it's a nice change of pace and and and. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do like it. I mean, you know, H.G. Wells isn't best remembered for this, is he? This is this is his contribution. Um, the, the story of the inexperienced ghost was the yeah. short story, which this is very loosely based on. But it's why they get to put his name on the uh, on, on the credits. Yeah. And, and uh, 
you know, I'm sure people, they more think of other things like, um, tragically in Woking town, in Woking town center where I, I worked for yeah. uh, a few years. There isn't a, a big, is, yeah. Which is a really cool statue of the Martian, yeah. but it, it's not the golfers. <laughs> it's not the golfers. It might have been it's quite, the... <laughs> it might've been quite good fun if, you know, there'd been a Martian invasion in this section. <laughs> in, in, in the Weatherspoons just down from the station, uh, years and years ago, this was, there was a, an invisible man in the window. Again, oh, okay. not not the golf. <laughs> it's just like you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I just think I, I don't know whether they were golfers. Mis- I don't know if they were golfers in the actual story. I don't know. I haven't read it, but um, apparently this is is it they, they they take like lots of liberties with this with the original story to the point that it's only just about able to sort of credit H.G. Wells. Apparently the hand gesture was a thing in the story. Yeah. I haven't read it, but the hand gesture to dematerialize is a thing. So I just don't want to read it. because uh, because it, it is meant it was a comedy story of Wells and, and it's like yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean HG Wells is, is well known for his, his comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but but um when we go back to the framing story, um it gets darker, doesn't it? As we get, yeah, because because now it's the turn of Doctor Van Helsing, or, or <laughs> <laughs> to, to tell his uh, creepy story, which is yeah. basically the 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 case that made him wonder. Oh, and, and and before before this, that it's been mentioned as well, hasn't it? That, that at some point, um, Craig mentions that at some point he's going to break his glasses and then yeah. it's going to go dark, yeah, and, and something bad's going to happen. Yeah, um, that's right. I don't, I think that's, yeah, that, that's absolutely right. But then they go, but they do go into the Ventriloquist dummy story, yeah. which is, this This one's directed by uh, Cavill Canty. Um, and this is the famous one. This is Michael Redgrave as, my, as Maxwell Frere, who's the Ventriloquist with his, with his dummy Hugo. And yeah. Um, yeah, Hugo is, um, well, 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 alive. So, so, but basically, it looks like um, um, Maxwell and Hugo are arguing, and then Maxwell can't yeah. control Hugo. Is I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> there's lots of you know, uh, like really deep psychoanalytical and whatever readings of this. But, but me, I like to look at it as basically, <laughs> it's like Rod Hull and Emu. <laughs> That's what. It's like it's like when Emu attacks Michael Parkinson. It's that kind of Hugo's a bit like that. It's a, it's a bit like that. <laughs> although, although I always thought with with Rod Hull and Emu, it, it, if you didn't have the the bird on the end of the arm, it's essentially a, a, a middle aged man a, a, a just attacking people for no good reason. Well, but but that's that. That's but, what, but that's what, with, what Hugo is as well. Isn't he, it? But Hugo's that he's 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 kind of. Um, verbally insulting lots of people. Hmm. Um, and you've got another um, ventriloquist, an American ventriloquist called Sylvester Key, played by someone yeah. called Hartley Power. And and and, and this is some nonsense about Hugo wanting to go off with um, with with Key and, and um, Maxwell taking that seriously, like it's some kind of um, like professional love 
triangle, but but it's, yeah. it's not. <laughs> it's like your ironing board ready to go off with someone else. <laughs> it's, it's kind of strange, but 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 the, the, all throughout this, you've got this idea that um, it, 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 you're never quite sure whether the the dummy has its own. It is. It has its own mind and is alive in some form, or whether it is just, um, just the, the ventriloquist going, going slowly mad. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely does go mad anyway. Yeah, yeah. That because um, he he gets uh, like he's quite successful, but he's already out of control. You can see like the terror in his eyes because yeah. because you know he's getting very successful, but he's completely out of control. Um, and then. He goes to alcoholism and he's abusive to fans and um, yeah uh, and, and, and in, in the end he he stabs Key doesn't he thinking that Key's um, stolen Hugo but but he Hugo's got him, into doesn't he uh, does he shoot him yeah he right, shoots, shoots him yeah yeah, yeah you're right yeah, yeah yeah oh it's a minor detail <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah well there's um, a great bit isn't he where where he he accuses. Um, Sylvester of have of having taken Hugo, uh, and he's like, "No, I haven't. No, what are you talking about?" And then he pulls back the the, the end covers at the end of the bed, and Hugo's there. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is like, uh, which is this kind of supernatural element? Is Hugo alive? Kind, like, kind of yeah. Thing. How has he got there? Yeah, but um, then then Van Stratton gets involved now. Um, now Maxwell's in prison for, for shooting his rival his rival survived he, yeah. he survived by the way um and yeah. and, and, and and so, so um he um but Matt stratton thinks it'd be a good idea to reunite maxwell with hugo just because you know um <laughs> like maxwell won't say anything so i, I don't yeah, know no. but hugo knows so he reunites them by which point maxwell actually destroys hugo like yeah stamps he goes on mad. his face stamps on his face um, which is quite horrible, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, and, and also they all get, they're all watching him do this in the cell, and there's a mad panic of them to open the cell doors as if he's actually killing a a, a real person, which I think is a nice little uh, sort of nod that they they've sort of been taken in by this idea that Hugo's um, in some some way alive. Yep, and um, then. Maxwell's committed to an asylum yeah. and, and Key goes in with Van Stratton um, and because um, Maxwell's like catatonic at this point and, yeah. and, and Van Stratton thinks that, that Key might help pull him out of it. Seems like extremely dubious practice. I mean, like mal- malpractice. <laughs> in, in fact, and I'm surprised Key goes along with it. But anyway, um, then Key... Uh, well, then at the sight of Key, um, the, the, uh, well, not Maxwell, but the, the catatonic state is uh, broken, but it's not Maxwell. No. It's Hugo's personality who was, who was, um, yeah. who was taken, taken over. So, so yeah. And, and then that's the end of that story. And, and, and it's tremendously influential and it's really creepy but yeah, um, you know, I think p- people who say they love Michael Redgrove's performance, well, I love some things about it, but I think it's really over the top in other ways. It's not. I don't really. Okay. I know he I, he's uh, he's a great actor, um, but I and I know this this was 
like a role that really cemented him in in some ways. Yeah. Um, I think he was a great theatrical actor anyway, but um, as as, a, as like a, a screen actor, um, it was it was really it really helped him. Um, and he'd been the lead in Lady Vanishes, which was his first ever screen role, actually. Um, but I just like you know, I always find there's kind of two kinds of acting for me good acting right. the kind i admire and the kind i enjoy and this isn't the kind i enjoy i didn't oh, okay I, I, yeah i don't know I, <laughs> I really i really love this i was really just taken in by it completely i thought no, he was it, superb yeah 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 and, I, and I, just I can, conveyed that fear uh I, really well and i didn't think he was over the top i thought that, that, you know some other actors may have gone completely bonkers can you imagine jack nicholson doing this it'd just be completely nuts and, and <laughs> i think he manages to avoid doing that <laughs> yeah this wouldn't be one for jim carrey would it but <laughs> i think uh, yeah no no I, mean, I can see that it's good but i didn't you know like, I, I i i love the bit where he was trying to get the, the dummy to shut up and put him his hand over the dummy's mouth which firstly is just stupid if you're like because he's saying yeah yeah but yeah the uh, dummy... but then the secondly the dummy bites his hand it, yeah horrible. <laughs> yeah no, no yeah yeah so so it, it it's really effective it's good and um the part of the film everyone remembers the bit that's the most influential and um in fact did well, there's a film. Uh, people don't remember this this film, which is really odd. Um, uh, it's called Magic. It was made yeah, with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, it was made yeah. in the 70s. Anthony Hopkins basically, it's basically like a feature film version <laughs> of this exact story. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so uh, yeah, he um, it's the same thing. But it's directed by Richard Attenborough and the screenplay is written by William Goldman. So, you I mean, it's... Yeah. I mean, there's gold play... I mean, they're all... Uh, Academy Award winners. It's gold plated. <laughs> yeah, it's, but but for some reason it's it, yeah it's not it's not you don't see it very much. No, it's a good film, but but um, clearly in an uncredited based based on a William Goldman novel actually. And I had a phase of really loving William Goldman, so I watched a lot of his movies, read his books. Um, the book's good too, actually. His, yeah. his but um. Yeah, but clearly, but clearly, just a, like a uh, this story padded I'm out just, to, to book length and then film just, length. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just wondering whether this was just bizarrely, and it probably was. Whether it was an influence, there was uh, a, a, a really digressing now, but there was a Batman villain called the Ventriloquist, who yeah. was essentially a little meek, mild man who was ruled by his mob boss Dummy. Who, who's like a, the, like a thirties yeah. mobster gang gang? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that um, that that character was created by Alan Grant. Um, okay. Uh, so, so so yeah. Uh, is that so? That's a that I guess that that's a fairly modern creation then. Yeah, it is. It is oh, okay. Nineties, I think. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was a. No, he's not. He's not. He's not one of the classic ones. Um, <laughs> But I, he's a really great villain. I hope, yeah. I hope they use him in one of the movies at some point because it is, it is a great movie, villain. But um, it's, it is a variation on this. You're absolutely yeah. Right. 
and and yeah, I mean, Alan Grant, whether he was British or American, he happens to be British, would be familiar with this this film. I would think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, yeah. So then, then I think we get to what is the best bit of the whole film. Absolutely. Um, back to the framing story and then you get the bit uh if i remember rightly you get the bit with yeah. the broken glasses and the power cut and then walter craig decides he actually wants to murder someone for no reason <laughs> so he he, he then he murders van stratton doesn't yeah. he yeah <laughs> in fairness he has warned that he's gonna do that earlier. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and van stratton's told everyone to to go away as well because you know he wants to try and do something uh, try and get Craig to overcome his fears and yeah, it's like a patient. And actually, Craig earlier on said he was just going to leave, and Van Van Staten just wouldn't let him. Forces him to stay. Uh, <laughs> it's his it, own fault. It's his own fault. Um, but but that's not the really great bit. The really great no, no. bit is, is then when Walter Craig gets sucked into the stories. Yeah, so yeah. so. Um, and this is this is this is a great sequence when we, um, I won't get it exactly right, but um, you, you've got um, he he he's back. He's at the Christmas party, isn't he? Playing with the children. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, yeah. Um, and then he um, th- then he's with. Uh, I, think, I think that's right. He's in the mirror, isn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah he's he, trapped in the mirror. He, yeah, isn't he being? Killed in the mirror or killing someone in the mirror? I can't remember. Yes, so, 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 something like that. And yeah. and then um, and 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 then uh, Miles Mallison is back as he's been put yeah. in a prison cell room for one more. Yeah. And and, and then he's oh. in the prison cell with Hugo, the the, the right the, the the dummy. This uh, this bit was just I thought this was horrible. <laughs> it really freaked me out, and it's like. It's ridiculous. So what what they do? The dummy he's sort of sitting there, and then and then they do a slightly longer shot, and the dummy has been replaced effectively by, by presumably a kid in a mask, um, representing the dummy, and he gets up and, and just kind of walks over to 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 Craig and starts trying to kill him. And, Man, and, and there's, there's loads of like like there's bars and there's loads of yeah. people. Oh, there's there's all the people pushed. Yeah, it's all the people from the party, isn't it? I think and they're all yeah. pushed up against the bars. Yeah. It, it 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 in like completely covering the whole doorway. And and it's just the whole that sequence is horrible. I was like, because I watched this quite uh, quite late last night, and there was a little bit around the end of the golfing bit where I I, I I dozed off and I had to kind of go back again. And and so I I was sort of by the time I got to this bit, it was it was quite late and I was quite sleepy, but it was like really kind of pulled me out of it and it was yeah, horrible. For for, for a film made in the 40s, it, it's genuinely disturbing that that sequence, I thought. It, it's it's what a what what a bang, <laughs> what an ending. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um I it kind of reminded me uh, of Talons of Wang Chiang uh, with the the, the monkey. Yeah, a little bit. Mr. But Sin, uh, but 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 obviously, like Mr. Sin, 
he's always able to do that. Whereas we've, yeah, seen, yeah. we've seen Hugo isn't, and then suddenly he can, which is just great. It's just a great twist, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> and it's really dreamlike. And I think I, I, um, I saw, well, it was mentioned again in that, that, that documentary that the, the, the screenwriter, I think Angus McPhail was also the, the screenwriter of Spellbound, which is a Hitchcock film of the same year, I think, or very similar um, right. time. And that's got, that that that's got the the big Dali sequence, uh, right? Uh, like surreal dream sequence at, at the end. Uh, so, I mean, they're both in their own way really fantastic sequences, and it's yeah, it's interesting. The same screenwriter clearly did did, did each of them. Uh, but then the final thing after you get that is Walter Craig wakes up. Yeah, it's all been a dream. Um, and and at this point, I'm thinking, oh, that's a cop out ending, but. Then, then he gets the phone call. He gets a phone call. Come on down to Pilgrim's Farm. Yeah. Uh, uh, my name's Foley. Oh, Foley, yeah. that rings a bell. I don't know why that rings a bell. And and and, and then um, he, he speaks to his wife, and then and then, and then he goes off to um to, to meet Foley, and and like the and then it's the start of the film again, isn't it? It's the so start it's, of the film played played over the end credits, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it's that's a really interesting way of finishing it. it. So, so in, it, yeah, indicating that you know this is just a circle. This and is he's just trapped in, in this forever. Yeah, and, and I, I really love, horrible. I really love that as a, uh, as yeah. an idea. And and the yeah, I mean, and, and it, that sequence at the end, it's like he's in hell, isn't it? This is some kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, this is some kind of time loop or something. But it's not a time loop. It's some kind of punishment or something it's great and what an ending and i mean and that did translate to amicus and there you've been dead all the time ending which they did yeah but this is much better than any of that because because it's been because it's been building up yeah and 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 we've had snippets of something weird happening and and the amicus films never really do that no And, and this and this is just yeah, this this has been been thought out and been been seeded and put together um, throughout the whole whole film. It tells a story because in, I'm not criticising the Amicus films, so I do love them. But yeah, but yeah. like in Doctor Doctor Terror or Tales from the Crypt, it, yeah, I, I mean it, it, it is there. There is no linking. Story. Not really. Is <laughs> there's just some kind of mechanism to get a group of people together so they can explain to them each in turn yeah. their stories. <laughs> yeah. And and then oh you've been dead all the time <laughs> at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 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 yeah no this is much cleverer. Yeah. No, yeah. Like, right. It's like uh, but I mean to take it another way I think um Am- Amicus have taken the mechanics of it and stripped yeah. away all the all, all the finesse <laughs> well, like... it, it's a bit i guess it's a bit different in that I, I suppose this film was aiming to be something a bit different it's sort of a bit of one of its kind at that that time and the amicus films were made probably were just churned out a lot more to cash in on the sort of exploitation side of things which i don't know that this one necessarily was no in fact 
absolutely wasn't no what was not that that kind of film at all this was a this was a, a proper like uh a release um yeah so, so so it was not an exploitation picture and and that would have been um like it would have been like taboo they wouldn't have wanted to have anything to do with that kind of picture evening so um I mean, when Hammer started doing that kind of thing, it was, tr- I mean, they were absolutely pilloried from all quarters for why are you making this filth? Which seems yeah. ridiculous <laughs> if you watch those films. What are you even <laughs> talking about? But, um, but that's really the situation. That was really the situation. Um, but whereas Dead of Night was not considered to be a horror film. Um, oh. uh, it's only now when you look at that and think this is the first great British horror film. But can you can you imagine seeing going to see this in 1945 and what you would have made of it? Well, um, it would be so, so hard. Yeah, because it's 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 so out there for at that time. It would have been really difficult. But you know, um, I did go to see uh, what I've just been thinking of now is something that's slightly comparable. I did go to see Pulp Fiction, which. Uh, Funny enough, although it seems totally unrelated, <laughs> is actually a portmanteau film, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 in the nineties, that that was a ridiculous thing, and it was like a like a, a portmanteau gangster film. In the, it was ridiculous, and and to be honest, um, it was it was pretty popular, and I had loved Reservoir Dogs, but but I could not get on with it, uh, Pulp Fiction at all. It was just too no. much. It was too. You know, it was like, uh, I don't like this, and I don't like Bruce Willis is dead, and then he's the hero of the next story. And I don't, and, and why, what, why are they saying that 10 minutes of dancing is cool? I don't, I, mean, I, I, I <laughs> um, but, but it's, it's that kind, kind of thing where it's just like, it's just so out well, there. You kind of it, like well, it, it, yeah. admire it, but it's also like, I, I don't know what to even make. Of it. I, I think, I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Pulp Fiction was all style over substance, and I think this is the reverse of that. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not it's saying still I was stylish, wrong. but I'm not yeah. saying I was wrong about Pulp Fiction. But I, I am. So, I've, not, I've never actually watched it again. <laughs> but yeah. but I, I and that's an interesting. Topic. Don't get me started on Tarantino. No, well, but but, but <laughs> it does strike me as some something comparable because Dead of Night was, like I say, a complete one-off. There, yeah, there wasn't. A, I mean. I mean, I don't know every film we've made obviously in in Britain, but but um, there wasn't anything big in the British horror for another ten years at least. I mean, yeah. I'm obviously the Quite a Mass Experiment is science fiction. I mean, yeah. it's horror science fiction, but it was considered to be a science fiction film, wasn't it? And and yeah, it yeah. it it's 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 a long time before there's anything like it, and it's a few more years before the uh, Portman 2 films were popular again. Um, no, it's, it's, it's a real, 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 really remarkable piece of uh, filmmaking. I absolutely adore it with, yeah. you know, some reservations, like obviously the, um, the attitudes, the social attitudes yeah. are so bad, but, um, you, you know, but you kind of make allowances for that. Oh. Well, well, not accepting them, but understanding why they're like that. Well, it's a what is it, <laughs> yeah. eighty-year-old film now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to understand I mean, why it's it, like it. Yeah, 
I mean, it's, it's and it's. I, I I really liked it. Having never seen it before, I, I I really enjoyed it. I think I was, I think I maybe less enjoyed it at the start, and and it just got better and better. Yeah, that and, really, and really does. The, and by the end, I, I was the fact that I was finding myself terrified by something and, and disturbed by something at the end in a in a forties film was a bit of a revelation to me. Interestingly enough, though, it's quite highbrow for a horror film, and there aren't a lot of those yeah. because, you know, like I say, Hammer did something a bit more exploitation. Although not, I'm not really sure you could really call it that now, but that's kind of <laughs> what they went for. But um, there was another uh, really kind of high, highbrow horror film made in the early 60s, wasn't there? The Innocence, that adaption yeah. of Return of the Screw, which interestingly enough also has Michael Redgrave in it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is, is, is it interesting? I don't, I don't think I've ever talked about Michael Redway before in one of these podcasts. I don't think we'll ever talk about him again. Probably didn't no. do a lot of horror or any horror apart from the ones I've said. Maybe if we ever do The Innocence, we'll talk about him again. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but today everything seems to go through and around him. Interesting. I tell you what, if I was on social media, I'd be dying to tell you that you're completely wrong and that you really need to change your mind completely right now. And how can I do um, that? You can do that by uh, finding us on Facebook, where we're Very British Horror, or on Twitter, where we're at Very Brit Horror, or you can email us at VeryBritishHorror at gmail.com. And I would just like to say a quick shout out to Nigel Fairman on Twitter. Who, uh, who who suggested we do this film? Yeah, I mean, be more precise. He said, "Stop doing that crap. I don't like start doing." Something well, basically, else. <laughs> he said, "Do some of the more classics. Stop <laughs> covering weird stuff that we, we don't. I don't like." Yeah. So th- this one's for you, Nigel. Hope hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Well, until next time, I've been Chris Denton, and I'm still Paul Monk. Goodbye. Bye.